boy and girl are making out, right? When they hear over the radio that this lunatic killer's escaped from an insane asylum, he's got this long, sharp hook for a hand. So the girl, she gets all scared, right? She wants to go home. And the boy, all hot and bothered, he gets pissed and peels out. No, 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 no. That's not the way it goes. Okay, the boy goes for help, and the girl stays in the car, and she hears this, like, scratching sound. It's not a scratching the... sound. It's a drip. No. It's scratching because the guy's been hung from a tree limb and his feet are scratching on no, the roof of the no, car. No, no, he's been decapitated and it's the blood from his severed neck that's dripping on the car and it's going to drip, drip, drip. No, he wasn't decapitated. He was gutted with a hook. everyone, welcome to The Boot. That's right, it's The Boot. We are recasting classic movie reboots, so Hollywood doesn't have to do it. Guys, I'm Brian Flynn, and uh, what movie are we doing? Oh yeah. (laughs) Wow. Guys, I'm Brian Flynn, and in the schooner, hidden under a little Gordon's Fisherman hat, it's Kenna Trent. Kenna, how are you? I'm doing great. I really love these sort of boat-themed movies we've been doing. Like, the boat scenes in this movie really took me back to Waterworld. Uh, well, I'm glad. I'm glad that you uh, you might be the only one who misses the Kevin Costner month that we did. <laughs> Guys, I'm telling you, they're good movies. I don't know what's. Uh, I don't it know was what to tell entertaining you. content, and nobody wanted it. This week, Ken and I are diving into our second horror film. We're talking about the 1997 classic teen slasher film. I know what you did last summer. <laughs> Starring Jennifer Love Hewitt, Sarah Michelle Gellar, Ryan Felipe, Freddie Prince Jr., and Anne Heche, or as I like to call them, Jenny Love Hee Sarah Michelle Gee Ryan PPP, Freddie Prince Gigi, and Anne Heche What is happening? I don't know. It's late and I'm stressed about work. Um, Kenneth, you and I have talked long and hard about teen slasher films and our love for them. Mm-hmm. The sort of crown jewel, I, I sort of feel like for our generation was Scream. Yeah. But that movie... But we got another... We can't do that one. So we got another Kevin Williamson movie. Yeah, written by Kevin Williamson. Uh, He actually wrote this before he wrote Scream, but no one wanted to make this until Scream earned like $200 million. Yeah. And they're like, you know what? Make your... Yeah, we'll take a second look. Lois Duncan adaptation. (laughs) Um, But before Ken and I pick our top five characters top five they're not top they're just the five and recast them as if the movie is being remade today we have to get into some reboot news gossip i guess discussion we'll say discussion this week back to the future four trilogy director robert zemeckis speaks out on part four rumors ever since the 30th anniversary in 2015 fans have been wondering if there will ever be another time traveling adventure for doc brown and marty mcfly just within the last month a fake michael j fox account announced back to the future 4 was happening before it was quickly debunked but now back to the future trilogy director zemeckis has given the final word on those rumors and declared a fourth film will never happen thank you speaking with italian website bad taste the director said quote there will never ever be in the most absolute way a back to the future 4 End quote. Thank you. In fact, back in 2015, Zemeckis clarified that a Back to the Future remake cannot happen until both he and fellow creator Bob Gale are dead and buried. He told The Telegraph, again, quote, and then I'm sure they'll do it unless there's a way our estates can stop it. End quote. He added, I mean, to me, a remake is outrageous, especially since it's a good movie. It's like saying, let's remake Citizen Kane. Who are we going to get to play Kane? What folly? What insanity that is? Why would anyone do that? End quote. Why would anyone do that? I mean, maybe money. Calm down, Robert Zemeckis, being like, remaking my movie is like remaking Citizen Kane. Not that Back to the Future is a bad movie. Not that I want them to make another sure. one, because I, I really don't. I think it's fine. But, um, fine. Listen. We're going to have to agree to disagree okay. on some things. I, I like Back to the Future. Sure. I, ca- I can't say it's, 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 I can't say it's one of my favorites necessarily. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Doc. Are you telling me that you built a time machine out of a DeLorean? The way I see it, if you're going to build a time machine into a car, why not do it with some style? But I appreciate that he is like, if they have to go through us to make a movie, it's not happening. Yeah, and, and as the, you know, a diehard fan of the these three movies, I'm very happy that they are like, now hermetically sealed as like the only ones we'll get mm-hmm. because I don't want to have to be that. I don't want some movie exec put me in some camp of like some raging 
mental patient who's just screaming out about how it's not the same or yeah. on the other side just being like, well, it's fine. Like, well, it's, I don't, it's just like I don't want to have to come to that bridge nor cross it. Mm-hmm. Um, although I was thinking about this movie the other week and how this movie Back to the Future might have inadvertently spawned a lot of uh, – like I just feel like a lot of the gators out there, like the Gamergate, the Comicgate, mm-hmm. Trolls. I don't know. Something about male nerddom – I feel is partially this movie is partially responsible for creating. How so? I'm not going to go as far as to say it's a male fantasy because he does like make out with his mom, uh, which is horrifying (laughs) on many levels. But the idea is like Marty McFly doesn't change in the movie. Mm -hmm. He's just met with a series of obstacles trying to get back home. Yeah. The people who change in the movie are his parents, Mm -hmm. specifically his father, going from like a nerd, nerdy wimp to like a heroic alpha. Yeah. (laughs) So um, I think a lot of young men have sort of taken this idea that they are also Marty McFly and that, that they're not the ones changed. who need to change. Yeah. It's everybody else. Yeah. And that they should well, be I mean, rewarded with a just, cool flying car that time travels. There's also just the entire history of humanity that has led <sighs> men to believe that they're far more important. Right. Um, I'm specifically talking about <laughs> the very small niche of like okay. nerd culture men. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Speaking of uh, nerd culture men. Yeah, actually, very specifically. Oh, this is weird that we're talking about this, but sure. Kevin Smith's weight loss resulted in rewrites for Jay and Silent Bob reboot. After a near-fatal heart attack earlier this year, filmmaker Kevin Smith made some major life changes, including a dramatic weight loss. Now it turns out that the weight loss has prompted some further changes, including the Jay and Silent Bob reboot. In a recent episode of the Fat Man on Batman podcast... I have to change the name of that. Smith revealed that he used some downtime to go back over the script for the Jay and Silent Bob reboot and ended up making some significant changes as his impressive weight loss completely ruins some of the movie's jokes. So this article essentially says that as Silent Bob, they make fun of his weight consistently. And now that he's thin, er, they can't do that anymore. So if you're waiting with bated breath for the Jay and Silent Bob reboot, it's going to be a little different. Because Kevin Smith almost died. First of all, I think everyone's glad that he didn't die. Yeah. This movie, this the premise of this movie sounds kind of funny. It's supposed to be like they're going to remake the old Jane Silent Bob reboot. Or they're going to reboot the Jane Silent Bob movie. Mm-hmm. Within the movie. Within the movie, which I think was Bluntman and Chronic, right? Inside sources tell me Miramax is starting production this Friday on their adaptation of underground comic fave Bluntman and Chronic. Friday? Shit, does it say he was fucking playing us in the movie? No, but it's Miramax, so I'm sure it'll be Ben Affleck and Matt Damon. You know, they put them in a bunch of movies. It sounds very meta, but I was like, it's... The audience for the movie is going to love it. In terms of, like, having to rewrite the script to remove all the fat jokes, it's like, that that might be just, like, three weeks of work for for punch-up writer. <laughs> like, yeah. really... Yeah. I don't know what the big... I don't know what the big uh, hold-up is. And it's like, I don't know if we're all, like, clamoring to... Sort of, which it's a really interesting like dig on Kevin Smith's weight. It's a really interesting, I think, note just on the way Hollywood thinks because in this instance, it's a problem because the characters of Jay and Silent Bob were something that now they're not. Like they relied on this joke so heavily that now it's like, oh, we have to change the way Jay talks to him, yeah, in order to to create something different. And it's just it's just funny that it's like, oh, you lost a bunch of weight and that's a problem. I actually think it's a blessing in disguise because as much as I enjoyed those movies back in the day, I, I just you need something new. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just saying if these were two women. <laughs> Maybe that's what they're going to do. If one of them lost a ton of weight, everybody would just be like, thank God. <laughs> Ladies. I rage a lot on this podcast. I don't know. I If you ever like spoke to me in person, you would never <laughs> guess that I am not like militant feminist. It's just Maybe when, you, you when you really look at the way Hollywood treats people, it's so. <laughs> Let's talk about Superman. Let's talk about Superman. I, I don't know exactly if I'm going to read all of these articles. Let's just talk about like. Let's talk about the timeline of what happened last so, week. So there was, I don't know where the, I don't know where the initial, well, we'll talk about was, where it, the initial rumor came from. It was a Friday morning and then suddenly news broke from, I think the Hollywood reporter that 
Henry Cavill, who currently plays Superman in those comic book movies, is out. He wanted no out. He was just like, I'm hanging up. Like, And the I think the source claimed the problem was, was that he was supposed to do a small cameo in Shazam. And some sort of scheduling issue prevented that from happening. And they were claiming that this created bad blood between Henry Cavill and the studio and that he was just done. He just didn't want to, he didn't want to come back for any more movies. Yeah. And then Then, his manager tweeted out a very cryptic response that was like, the cape is still in his closet. We still have a good relationship. It was very like playful for what should have just been like, especially for an agent, what should have just been. No, this is a stupid rumor. Yeah. If it wasn't true, the agent would have been like, this is false. Yeah. But then like it just started this big thing, I think, in Hollywood where like even John Hamm was like, I'll play a superhero like you want. Was, to play Batman, I'll play Batman. <laughs> yeah. And with everything, because this sort of same rumor has haunted Ben Affleck in his role as Batman. But he's for sure out. He is now for sure out. Yeah. Uh, because you rickrolled me with a great Oscar <laughs> Isaac is now in his Batman well, I article. did it. I did not do that. Like the Hollywood reporter, a legitimate source for some reason, did this. Um, so everyone wants out. Everyone wants in. But then like Warner Brothers is also kind of being cagey about what's going on. So uh, And what's especially weird is at the end of this all, when it was like, I get like Henry Cavill posted a dumb Instagram because I'm not a fan of Henry Cavill. If he was not Superman, I would be fine. But he posted some dumb Instagram of him like it was just so stupid because the whole thing seemed planned. And then TMZ broke that they fully believed that the entire thing was orchestrated by his team. Cavill's team. Yeah. To what end? I don't know. Like, I don't I don't know. I don't know why you do this unless unless it's to generate. Honestly, I wouldn't be shocked if this whole thing was like. Do people want to see him in Shazam? Because if they no. don't care, then that's one thing. I think this it might have been a way for them to like test the waters and be like, if people think he's out, what's the response? Maybe. I, this, this to me is just like, compare this to how Marvel handles replacing their actors. It's with a complete unified message. Mm-hmm. And then they're just like, this is how it is. And then they're out. The, but the way Warner, just in all, absolutely all aspects the way warner brothers has handled their dc movies is a shit show it is awful i believe in truth but i'm also a big fan of justice i absolutely agree with you like when Zack snyder had to leave justice league i don't know why they weren't just like miss jenkins you made one of the best superhero films maybe ever Mm -hmm. please take care of this for us and instead they're like well no one can get mad at us if we hire joss whedon and it's like no, people can get mad at you if you hire Joss Whedon. Which, Joss Whedon you, can get mad at you if you, never you hire read Joss Whedon. Anything in the past, like, <laughs> like we have every right to be mad at Joss Whedon. And his personal shit aside, it's also like I don't want every comic book movie to be written by Joss fucking Whedon. Like, it's not. He has he's his not scrubby it, little fingers in everything. But it's the same reason. Like, why did they hire Zack Snyder? He's like, oh, he made one great comic book movie ten years ago. Let's give him every comic book property. It's all, no, it's all bad because then when it was proven that the movies he made did not do well, they gave him more and more. They doubled, they tripled down on a bad investment. Yeah, and it's annoying because there's there's lots to come. I I don't. I'm gonna go see Aquaman because I love James Wan, but these movies don't look good. Yeah, truly. The shining star in the middle of all this is Wonder Woman. And as much as people love it and as much as it is lauded, it's still (laughs) really worked myself up. It still like doesn't get all that it deserves. Yeah. Like it's weird that we're not like leaning on Wonder Woman a little bit more. That's a huge like. Justice League should have been way had way more Wonder Woman in it. Mm-hmm. Had a Jenkins version of Wonder Woman and less like there's literally a shot in the Justice League that's up Wonder Woman's skirt. When and I, you're just like, yeah. I thought this whole other movie The entirety of Wonder Woman is like badass chicks doing superhero things. The way that we shoot listen, I've talked about it a lot lately. The way we shoot men, they shot women. 
And that's fine because this like we wanted like the Amazons to be the way we see so many male superheroes. And like, of course, in Justice League, they shoot her like that because that's the way like the male gaze sees Wonder Woman. I don't know. Please end this segment with Jason Momoa saying, My father was a lighthouse keeper. I've just never heard something that made me want to turn off more. Um, let's talk about fun stuff. Let's talk about kids getting killed in the summertime. Uh, before we can get into the reboot of I Know What You Did Last Summer, Kenna, let's talk about the rules. Let's talk about the rules. This is a podcast best listened to with an open IMDb. We may talk about some people you've never heard of and you're going to want to look them up. We will be talking about a movie that you may not have seen. So if you haven't seen I Know What You Did Last Summer, pause us right now. It will take you no time. You can half watch it and still get it. Go watch this movie. Now to the rules. Rule number one. No remakes, reboots, or long-lost sequels. We can't do a movie that has already been redone in the last 20-ish years. This includes franchises like... What did we talk about? I got so worked up about DC movies. Superman, Batman. Yeah. Superman. Uh, Every few decades. Franchises not like Back to the Future. Thank you very much. Well, there we go. That's a good one. Rule number two, no imaginary casting. Our dream cast must be made up of actors that are alive and working today. And rule number three, no tender casting. We can't cast someone just based on how they look. You have to have seen their work and be able to vouch for their talent. Guys, let's get into the reboot of I Know What You Did Last Summer. You're not a doctor. You don't make that decision. Use your brain, Julie. We call the police and we're fucked. It was an accident. Look, let's think about this a minute. Think about what? Think about what? He was crossing the road in the middle of the night, okay? It was an accident. You weren't drinking or speeding. There's liquor all over the car. But you're sober. They'll never believe I was driving. It's my car. They'll nail my ass. That's not true. Are you kidding? Look at me. I'm drunk as shit. I'm fucked. No, we'll call the police. We'll tell them the truth. They'll believe us. It's manslaughter. We're going to fry no matter who takes the fall. I Know What You Did Last Summer, directed by Jim Gillespie, director of such movies as I See You, which apparently was a thing, and I don't know what else he's directed. His IMDb <laughs> is confusing. Uh, but it stars Jennifer Love Hewitt as Julie James, Sarah Michelle Gellar as Helen Shivers, Ryan Felipe as Barry Cox, Freddie Prinze Jr. as Ray Bronson, and Anne Heche as Missy Egan. What did you think of this movie? What did I think of this movie? Um... It's not as good as Scream. No, it's not. But I remember it so fondly from when I first saw it that it still kind of holds its charm, but in a different way now. Like, I laugh at yeah. it more than I – I am I was not scared in this movie one bit um, because I'm an adult now and this is ridiculous. Like, <laughs> it's also one of the laziest serial slasher villains. I – much like many of the movies I think we do, I think there's a really good slasher movie hidden in this movie. And there's a way to do this that is just a little bit better than what they did. But as it stands, as just like a piece of, it had all of like your favorite 90s TV actors and all the like hot people that everybody was crushing on. Mm-hmm. As as that specimen of like a, a a 90s time capsule. It's great. Exactly how I feel. It's a time capsule yeah. of your, you know, like if you were in middle school in the late 90s, mm-hmm. you understand the feeling of like sneaking into the movie theater, realizing everyone in there at this R-rated movies between the ages of like 18 and 12. And that's why I think this might seem like a little bit of a stretch, but I'll connect them. This is what that's why I liked movies like Happy Death Day mm-hmm. is because it gave me a scream vibe. It gave me a, a I know what you did last summer vibe. It was a it was a teen ish slasher movie in a way that I was like, man kids don't have this stuff yeah i think it's interesting to say like that there needs to be horror for teenagers like horror should be for yeah there should be there should yeah i don't know there should honestly should be like a a version of riverdale that's a movie series because people are like eating that up well let's talk about these very five strange characters and they're they're kind of they're more caricatures than characters really but uh julie james played by jennifer love hewitt I just wrote this down. First of all, her her the '90s fashion sense, how they dressed her in this movie. Jennifer Love Hewitt's pretty great. Like spider leg bangs. Oh. 
were so amazing. I kept being like, why did they cut her bangs like this? And then I was like, maybe this is a, like, a, like maybe these are extensions. Like they were just like, she didn't want bangs. Here's so the they thing, gave her though, fake bangs. Her and then bangs I was like, look better at the very beginning of the movie. And so I was like, I feel like this is part of like who they want us to think she is a year later, which is this like strung out her life. She's so upset. Like she looks gone. She looks awful. And and I was like, I probably just like made her hair look thin. I wrote this down. I was like, the director must have told the makeup artist to like paint Julie as if she's never slept again after that night because she (laughs) looks so bad. Yeah. That year later that, it, I don't know. She's also like very manic the entire time. So like trying to figure out what kind of character this woman yeah. is, is. Jennifer Love Hewitt is too much at all times in this movie. The only time I really enjoyed her character. Is, so she's the moral compass, basically. Like they mm-hmm. accidentally kill the guy in the road. They're in this moment. She's the only one that's like, call the cops. It was an accident. Listen to yourselves. No, we are going to the police. We don't have time for your shit. If there's some of him on the car, there's some of the car on him. They're going to trace it back to you. You're looking at a hit and run. And ultimately is discovered, yeah, they would have been exonerated for the crime. Like, they actually would have solved another crime. (laughs) That's true. Um, I mean, they might have... They might have been the driver being Ray might have been convicted of manslaughter because you did still kill somebody. He didn't die, though. That's right. He didn't die. So if they had gotten him to the hospital... He would have lived and they would have been like, do you want to press charges? But then he would have been like, well, if I go to court, people will have to ask what I was doing out there either way. So uh, who wants to go first? Um, I'll go first. Okay. Jennifer Love Hewitt is the star of this movie in a movie full of stars. But she is the like, I feel like more Helen is a very specific type. Julie's less of a specific type. Mm -hmm. Um, She just has to be a more sound mind yeah. in her teenage years. Uh, so I picked Amanda Steenberg, who people might remember from The Hunger Games. She was Rue. Oh my God, she's 19 now? Yeah. I feel old. <laughs> uh, so now she's sort of starting a new phase of her career. Uh, she did that young adult movie that I don't, think made any money called the darkest minds she was in a movie called everything everything is the darkest minds the x-men knockoff yeah okay the like special abilities have you seen that it reminds when i see that trailer it reminds me of that snl sketch about um like ya movies and oh <laughs> the group hopper yes I, i've it's seen a, it plenty of times i play exactly, that at parties it's exactly like that i will stop um, a party to play that that <laughs> it's so funny um but she's also gonna be in a movie called the hate you give she is she's an activist she's very outspoken Mm -hmm. um she's beautiful i feel like she has everything to just be maybe a little bit more to give this character a little more oomph uh Whereas in a w- in a way, Julie is the moral compass. She's the one who is going to solve the the mystery of who this killer is. But she's also playing it a little bit like a damsel in distress, which is a weird combination. Like I just hope uh, a new version of Julie would just give herself a little more credit. Yeah, I I don't think. Well, I don't know. I've never known a murderer, or am a murderer that but, you know of. Um, it is a little much to believe that this very bright and successful young woman would completely unravel to this point after like she like her she comes home and her mom is like we haven't spoken in so long and i'm like you didn't call your mom at all what happened to my daughter i mean you went away and you don't call and you don't visit your father must be turning over in his grave julie i feel like is someone who would have sought help you Mm -hmm. know what i mean like and and i don't know so i was trying to pick trying to pick an actress if if it's like okay julie's gonna be sort of who kind of is the one who comes undone the most because from her point of view is where we're gonna go to all these like scary places Mm -hmm. we're gonna meet all the scary characters and she's ultimately gonna be the final target at the end i was like all right i want to pick uh an actress that i think like you said would be a little more modern version of this like Maybe a little less. How do I describe Jennifer Love Hewitt? Um, <laughs> brilliant? No. Uh, 
I, I guess it's like, okay, I, I've seen this actress in 13 Reasons and she plays a character who, at least in those earlier episodes, has like come undone due to the death of like her classmate. Mm-hmm. I picked uh, Alicia Bow, who weirdly um, has been like on all these blogospheres tied to like the Buffy the Vampire reboot. Like people want her to be oh, the new Buffy. Interesting. Was, not that... Jennifer Love Hewitt as Buffy, but um, Buffy's in this movie. Um, but in the in what I saw mm-hmm. of her in Thirteen Reasons Why, I felt like she did that well. Like the the idea that she isn't doing great after this kind of death, mm-hmm. but still kept a sense of herself. Unlike Jennifer, just just like hiding in this, she's just like swimming in these sweaters. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like she's just like everything is just like. Oh, is she swimming in? She's just like, uh, she's swimming in the sweaters? Well, I think like early on and then it's just like, hey, can we undo another one of these buttons and then put a camera higher up in a tree? I was going to say there were definitely moments where it was like, mm, we'll put her in a tank top, but like also like a twin set. So it's a little more <laughs> like she she doesn't like to expose too much. <laughs> so that's who I picked. I, d- I haven't seen 13 Reasons, so I, I can't say that I, 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 this is I, I know like, the characters, but um. She came up a lot when I was looking for actors and I was like, oh, I've just I've never like seen her face mm-hmm. before, but um, she kept coming up. So I was like, I guess she's a people really like her. I, and I feel like I'm doing this actress a disservice just because I don't know what to say about Julie other than the fact that like everything, every choice they gave Jennifer Love Hewitt was like, it's like, like she's you supposed see to be her, vulnerable, which is like, I get it. But. You see her. But the thing is, you see her being vulnerable. And then you also see her being like, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for, huh? What are you waiting for? My favorite part of the movie. And like, she's just like real upset. But then in the next minute, she sees Freddie Prince Jr. And she's like, oh. If I um found a dead body and a bunch of crabs in my trunk and then went to go get someone... And the crabs and the body were gone. I would kill myself. I would be like, this is too much. I don't know what's happening to me, but I don't want it to happen. Why don't they just leave town, by the way? I definitely... Why don't they just go back to college? It's like, I just won't come home anymore. I definitely wrote during that portion of the movie, you got crabs in your trunk. Because there's something really comical about it. Like an old fisherman is just standing nearby. It's like, ah, you got got old crab in your trunk. trunk. Haven't seen that since someday in a dope. That's an omen. Uh, Let's talk about Helen Shivers, which I didn't realize was her last name, played by Sarah Michelle Gellar. The beauty queen turned townie. I loved that one of her biggest character traits is that she's obsessed with her hair. Yeah, and it also like the next scene was perfectly fine. Like there's there was no repercussions. Oh, yeah, to- she like well, I mean, I guess I get that like if she just like calls Barry over and is like, mm, my hair's cut. That like maybe she's like, I'll go see somebody and they'll like trim it up and it'll be fine. But they do make it seem like she like puts on a hat and it's like, don't look at me. But and then like it's fine, <laughs> she's literally fine. Two she looks later. yeah, she looks great. It's just like a, a bob. Um the thing she's about Helen that I thought might have been a better way to go there was like so when we see her she's literally competing in a 4th of July town beauty contest the croaker queen (laughs) she's the croaker queen and her like response to like why she should be crowned the winner is so bad it's just like I want to save the world through my acting ability it's like okay so she's supposed to be like this self-absorbed person but it doesn't necessarily mean that she's not talented. I, I just thought there was a moment where you find out that Julie wrote the speech because I, I thought it was going to be like because that's just what the judges wanted to hear. And then later you would find out that Helen actually, while she does care about her looks, was like more concerned about being a lawyer or a doctor or like mm-hmm. she 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 had different ambitions that kind of would have been a little more interesting as opposed to. I guess, like, in every slasher movie, you kind of do need, like, the beauty queen, the che- the head cheerleader there's type, like a, but... There's, like, this weird, dark undertone that they don't really get into, but just the notion of, like, Julie is the one who got into school mm-hmm. and went away and is, like, actively pursuing her future. Everybody else, like, all her close friends in high school, like, Helen went to New York and gave it a shot, and it didn't work. So she came back, and she's just, like, working at her family store. You know what? I need to talk to Helen, and I was wondering if you could give me her New York number. Fact check, Julie. Helen doesn't have a New York number. 
you need to speak with her, I suggest you go to women's fragrances, 10 feet to your left. Barry is like presumably some like college football player, but like nobody cares. Yeah, like he, he was Ray wants to-, to be a writer, but like he's not he's working on a boat. Like it's this notion of like they literally got away with murder. And I feel like that's sort of maybe how people feel about like the popular kids. Like you could get away with anything. Mm. And then really like you get out into the real world and you realize that like it didn't matter who you identified as in high school, like what group you were in. Like it doesn't matter. The world doesn't accept that as credit. And so they're now sort of stuck in this reality of like, what's the real nightmare? Like you being chased by a killer or the fact that like it's going to happen in this town you can't get out of. Yeah. If that was the case, I wish the character Max had a better station in life after high school because he's kind of picked on during high school. And I sort of wish that he maybe was like the mayor or like someone like chief of police. You know what I mean? That's like true. then it would be sort of like or the one who is picked on now is like risen somewhat successfully to a place of power. Which would have actually mirrored Johnny Galecki's life as he became one of the highest <laughs> paid actors on television. Who it's would have thought? Real. Um so Europe. Helen was a little more specific because she is a beauty queen. Like you just have to pick a, a gorgeous actress, like someone you could see on a in a beauty pageant on stage. Yeah. Um and caring very specifically about the way she looks. I think Haley Steinfeld. She's got a gorgeous head of hair, mm-hmm. but I think she would look great with a lob. So I I like that this would probably force her to cut her hair. There's a there's an interesting line in the trivia that was like the reason the director Jim Gillespie, I guess. Um <laughs> The, the reason the director cast Sarah Michelle Geller was that she could easily play a bitch, but also be mm-hmm. somewhat likable. Um, I like Haley Steinfeld. I, I don't know if she's ever played a bitch. I don't think that's hard to do, um, but it would be interesting because she she mm. grew up with this kind of like, was she a Disney star? No. Oh, okay. She was just like picked into, plucked for True Grit. I think and she then was, became I think like, she was a like a model and then maybe she. She became an actor. She became an actor. Okay. Um, so it'd be interesting for her because it it's not typical. I picked an actress who is straight up playing a bitch on Riverdale. Here we go with the Riverdale. I picked a 13 Reasons Why actress. I'm now picking a Riverdale actress. Guys, thank God for these two Brian shows. Brian knows the teams. <laughs> I picked Madeline Pesich. P-E-T-S-C-H. Pesich. She's the, the redhead, right? Yeah. Okay. I she feel plays. like I see her everywhere. Maybe. I don't know if she's doing anything else, but on Riverdale, she's essentially like the queen bee mm-hmm. bitch, bitch with a capital B, uh, that kind of like weirdly haunts all of the main characters, but isn't really that evil and sometimes is good. Like it's just very mercurial at all times. Sure. But I would like to see her play maybe a little, like get out of the Riverdale weirdness universe mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and maybe just play a version of that, you know, with a little more groundedness to it. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, she fucking nails it. So, um, sure. I don't know. I just kept thinking like of all these four kids who get involved in this mess, Helen would be the one who had the least amount to lose. So I don't rem- I really recall hmm. why she was going along with this uh, other than the fact that she was so in love with her and Barry's future. Oh boy. That it was like, it dragged her down with her. By that time, I will just be finishing my two-year contract on Guiding Light, coinciding with your first year as starting quarterback for the Steelers. Cowboys. Whoever. Mm. Then we can elope to Europe, where I'll let you impregnate me with the first of three children (laughs) before you head off to rehab. And then we can live happily. Blah, blah, blah. We probably need a better reason for Helen to... To be be along with this sort of for, anti Scooby Doo gang for Helen to not be like on Julie's side, right? Do you mean yeah? Oh, okay, because if they're so close, why wouldn't she back up Julie? And that's something that kind of kept bugging me. It was like okay, so but if she knew it was gonna like ruin Barry's life, she was like, yeah. no way. Yeah, yeah, that's a really interesting. There's, I think there's a better way to play her. There's a better way to direct her that's not just like. I mean, you sort of get the idea that they were like, what we're going to do is we're going to cast these actors who we know are very popular. And that's really all the legwork they wanted to do. Yeah. When really like, no, like they actually have to do something as well. And they just didn't create good characters for them to. Honestly, the better character was Elsa Shivers. (laughs) I hated her. (laughs) 
who was a complete bitch and deserved to die. I'll say it. Could you be any slower to save your sister's I kept, life? I kept imagining because I could feel her frustration as she's like, are you kidding me? Walk slower, please. I'm imagining if it was like me and I like saw my brother in there and he was like, you're being chased by a killer. I would be like, you know what? Watch me die. Watch me die right now. And you're just, you're going to feel terrible about it. Like I could just like see it's so, it's so real. But I love uh, Bridget Wilson Sampras. She is a 90s she's a, yeah. staple and yeah. she's awesome. Sonia Blade. Fortunate Sonia Blade. One day we'll get there. Um, yeah. I I think I think there's a better version of Helen out there. Yeah. Um especially I just I especially felt kind of bad her her big moment when we sort of see her alone in her room and she's kind of just in her own thoughts about how she's got to go be in the parade the next day and uh there was something really I think that was probably her biggest and best character moment. Yeah, her mental breakdown at the when she's judging the beauty contest, I was laughing so hard. <laughs> Wait, the one where she's like trying to tell them. Yeah, that that. that um, but it's not like a mental breakdown. She's like, somebody do something. But and everybody's way, like, you're crazy. Maybe it's maybe you're it's, too pretty to do this. Maybe it's a, a testament to Mr. Gillespie's directorial uh <laughs> talent was that like even i who knew that someone was dying up in the balcony was like tone it down please like oh someone's dying in the balcony <laughs> oh let's go let's go to the I balcony like, Lady, you're <laughs> ruining the pageant i gotta tell you this is really not my idea of a funny joke he's you know? he here who who the was fisherman he? he killed barry barry who who are we talking about there's nobody up here get it together <laughs> Anyways, maybe that was just how I watched it on a what's lazy the, Sunday what's afternoon. What's the song that the girl is singing? Oh my gosh, it's such a good choice. Like the talent? I can't even remember. Yeah, oh, and the then Sarah Michelle Gellar's just like, oh, Jesus. What? Man, it was so good. I, I can't remember. even remember. Um, uh, let's move on to Barry, played by Ryan Felipe. Okay. Ryan Felipe in this movie is not good. Uh... <laughs> But very specifically, I feel like I enjoyed all the other actors for one reason or another. And every time he was on screen, I was like, oh, boy. I, I like Ryan Felipe. And I like Ryan Felipe in this. And I think it's just because someone, maybe this was his note for himself, was just like, I'm going to make sure that Barry's always at an 11. <laughs> like That he's just always. When, when they go to him with the first note, he is so fucking mad at them. For no reason whatsoever. It's not even like, hey guys, how are you? Like, it sucks that we see each other after a year and this is what I, this is how it has to be. And then it's like they go to Max's and he's just fucking on fire all the time. Cause he's immediately like, you're the one doing it. Stop doing it. Poor Max is like, what? Every scene though. Every scene. Yeah. Then they run into fucking Ray. They just run into Ray randomly. He's on a fishing boat. Yeah, and he's mad. And he's just mad at Ray. And then he's constantly mad at Ray. He's always mad at Julie. He's always mad. Maybe the story we don't know is that he's taking steroids because he's he's a football player and he's not very big. Mm. And so he's taking steroids because he wants to be a successful college football player and his first year did not go well. And so now he feels like he has to prove himself, but he's stuck in the middle of this roid rage as the circumstances of his life are just crumbling. And so he's super angry. I mean, I'd be like he's working out in like an old fisherman's boxing gym. It was just a very, As you do. <laughs> it's a very strange combination of locations. I was like, yeah, uh, yeah. If you had like in the locker was just like a rejection letter or like his expulsion letter yeah. or like a news clipping that's like team cuts local star or something. And then you see him like inject something in his ass. You'd be like, okay, maybe this is like why <laughs> you he's went from like telling us nothing to like just spoon feed us that he's poisoning. Yeah, so. like, wh- he's literally just raging. Yeah, he's so the mad. whole time. He's lying. Leave him alone, Barry. Get a grip. No, wake up, Julie. He's behind this. How many fucked up fishermen are out there? Look, he's after me too. I got a letter. Oh, you got a letter. I got run over. Helen gets her hair chopped off. Julie gets a body in a trunk and you get a letter? 
That's balanced. It's difficult, I think, for me to accept that because part of me was like their roles should have been switched. Freddie Prince Jr. should have been the jock. Ryan Felipe should have been the like quiet one. Why, did, why is that? Part of me just feels like the physicality of it works better. Because um, there's something about like a comparatively a little angry man. And like, oh, like a big jock. Yeah. Yeah. Well, then we could have seen the like, real life romance of Sarah Michelle Geller and true. Fred Prince Jr. play out on screen. This was when they met. Isn't that lovely? It is lovely. I think you're first. Oh, okay. Um, so I relished in the opportunity because uh, something I did read in the trivia, I've never read this book, but they actually cast Ryan Felipe against the type, type. that she describes because he is a big football player mm -hmm. like as you would assume him to be lots of other things were different from the book apparently but we won't get into that um so i picked the very tall very beautiful everyone's favorite current internet crush noah centineo mm. of to all the boys i've loved before and sierra burgess is a loser i watched that movie right after i watched this movie i was like i'm gonna need one of these guys you watched <laughs> you watched to all the boys i've loved before or no i watched i know you did last summer and then i was like let's put on to all the boys i've ever loved i might need guys, this <laughs> i cannot it was good. i cannot recommend this movie enough it brought me so much joy i watched it twice in one week and i couldn't believe like how i was like i have to go back yeah I have to. he's very good in that uh -huh. i almost picked him i flipped him between the two guys i ultimately didn't end up picking him for either role the reason is he's like so the only thing i saw him in was to all the boys and he's so nice mm -hmm. in that movie that i was just like all right i'm sure as an actor you have the capability of playing a raging dick bag the entire time <laughs> but i had just come down from the glow of like a really nice teen mm -hmm. rom-com that i was like i'm gonna leave this in my memory bank for just a little while so i was just like i just can't put him in this shitty okay. role like not the shitty role but like the the character is kind of an asshole, but he's, a, mm -hmm. he was a good choice. Um, and I think, yeah, I think he's, he's going to probably be in a lot of more things Yeah, in the near future. I, this one was hard for me. It, it, he was one of my later casts. I, I tried to find sort of that big jock type, like mm -hmm. you said. And then I was just like, fuck it. I'm going to pick a douchebag. I'm going to pick a guy who publicly has just been kind of awful. <laughs> so, oh boy. Um, but I enjoy his work, I guess. Um, I guess. I picked Ansel Elgort oh from Baby Driver, who, uh, like you mentioned a couple pods back, had been sort of like Miles Teller-esque. And so I was yeah. like, let's pull up these quotes. And my jaw dropped. Yeah. I was like, man, this guy sounds awful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. he also genuinely seems like he doesn't care that he's awful. Oh, yeah, for sure. So I was like, all right, well, I kind of think Barry is maybe the worst person in this movie. <laughs> so... And I think Ansel has a very, unfortunately, he's very handsome. He seems like a man of privilege. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Barry yeah, is a man true. of privilege. His that's parents true. are rich. He has some kind of athletic talent that's going to get him above and beyond everyone else in his field. And then when it doesn't work out. He's the worst. He's Yeah, he's so someone he that's always going to. Yeah, he's always going to give you the, the point of view of someone who has everything to lose mm -hmm. because of this accident. Yeah. And, yeah, I just feel like he's the movie's true villain. Don't you noise your head, you fucking say it! We take this to our grave! Let me hear it! Let it go, Barry! You fucking say it! Okay, Barry, we take this to the grave. None of this would happen if they didn't listen to Barry. So it's like, all right, let's That's cast true. someone who... None of this would happen, because they inevitably would have hit the guy standing in the middle of the road. But it's an interesting choice, because he's... Uh, Ansel Elgert is by all accounts just kind of a trash guy <laughs> so but that's who i picked sure and i kind of like it I, I i don't think he's a bad actor i mean i enjoyed baby driver the, uh, yeah. i enjoyed it though because i didn't know anything about who he was before yeah. i watched it i mean just because you're a bad person doesn't mean you're a bad a bad performer it just sucks that now we can't enjoy certain performances because yeah. Well, for years we have, so maybe... People be tripping. <laughs> Let's move on to Ray, played by Freddie Prinze Jr. Um, Prinze Jr. Uh, Ray was also kind of fucking 
He's not in this movie. He's not. It's weird. He's very, he's important to the story because he's the one who's driving the car. He's the one who's in a relationship with Julie. Like we, he should be there way more. But when she, when they come back into town and he's just sort of like on a boat, like he stays there for some reason we don't see, we don't see him ever. I think the whole idea is that it's supposed to cast doubt on him as the killer. It's hard because it's like, we know that these four people did this thing. Mm -hmm. And then so like every character that we're going to meet after essentially becomes a suspect. So they have to kind of throw Ray into this pool of like, maybe it's one of them. Maybe he's just like something he snapped or he, mm-hmm. you know, thinks that one of them is going to tell. So he's starting to hunt them all down or something, but it doesn't work because <laughs> he's like, he's never there. And in the moment where they go and like meet weird boondocks, butcher and Hache, um, <laughs> you, I, when she talks about the guy who like phantomly showed up to the funeral, her brother's funeral. Yeah. I mean, I had no doubt in my mind. I was like, oh, it was Ray. That was Ray. Really? Yeah. He's around. Who else would it be? <laughs> Barry wouldn't go. It's not a new character. I don't know. It just, if, to me, it was just like, it, it was, it was okay. thinly veiled. You had it figured out. I don't know. Or maybe it was just my memory coming back and I was just like, oh yeah, these two fucked. <laughs> like... <laughs> Over the last year, these two had a weird relationship, Aww. which means Ray had to go to this weird fucking abandoned house where she's like skinning animals oh and boy. chopping fish. Like no one cuts fish like no For cleans no, fish like that. Uh, yeah, there's we'll get there. We'll get there. Sure. But, but the Ray of it. Right. So um, I keyed in on two, maybe one or two things about Ray. One, he seems like the guy who, and maybe this was a bad way to go, but to me, Ray always felt very innocent. Yeah. No matter what they tried to do, no matter what, however many red herrings they tried to like throw at us, he always felt like the guy who was trying to do right. But even the moment when they were burying the body, he just like couldn't do it, you know? And so I ended up picking the other guy from To All the Boys I Ever Loved. I picked Israel uh, Broussard. Who, who I love. And honestly, if I if I didn't feel bad about casting both of them, I probably would because yeah. I, gen- I genuinely love both of them. And he's great and happy death day. He just kind of gave me that he was someone who could be like a boy next door, someone you could, you know, grown up having a relationship mm-hmm. with and that relationship like maybe turning into a romantic one. Which is what happens into all the boys I love for. Absolutely. Um, without towing into the, like the insanity that is Barry, you know, I, and I just sort of pictured him in the in the night of the accident, kind of rationalizing everything. He was the first one to like quickly realize, like, if we call the cops, mm-hmm. we're all going. I'm going to jail for the right. rest of my life. Look, I'm scared, Julie. Look, I'm not like the rest of you. I don't have the family or the money to get me out of this. I don't know if he's the smartest one, but he's the one who he, he seems to have like the quickest mind to like analyze everything that's going on and, and sort of he makes the dis- the logical decision mm-hmm. with as much information as he has and, you know, still be the ire of Barry for some reason. Like in yeah. the hospital, when Barry gets run over, he's just like immediately like, Ray, you have a fisherman's coat. And it's like I wanted Ray to be like, yeah, I have underwear and socks, too. We're in a fucking fishing village. You dumbass. Everyone Everybody has a, has a slicker. Everyone has a slicker. I don't know. So that's why um, I went with. I think that's a really good choice. I feel like I approached it a very similar way and that he he's the, the quiet one, the yeah. more thoughtful one. Yes. And the one who, if he hadn't been the person driving the car would have been on Julie's side. Yeah. Like he would have spoken reason into the situation if he wasn't thinking with the brain of crap, I'm the one who hit this guy. Yeah. Um, so I picked, <laughs> I feel like we're going like back and forth on these um, teen dramas. Um, I picked Dylan Minnette. Oh, okay. Of 13 Reasons Why, which I haven't seen, but um, he's great and Don't Breathe. Yeah. And Goosebumps. Yeah, Don't Breathe. It's sort of like a similar thing, like the reluctant thief who gets yeah. caught up in all the serial killer stuff. Who has such a great like hero moment. Mm-hmm. It was a really it was a really interesting thing. Yeah, I think that's a good pick. He he's definitely kind of the like definitely on the quieter type, which I think is important mm-hmm. for Ray. I don't know if I can see him being a fisherman, but then again, I can't see any teenage actor pretending to be a fisherman. I don't know why. I don't know. 
they're all so fresh faced that I'm just kind of like, all right. Like Freddie Prince Jr., it looked like he was 150 pounds wet when he stepped off that boat. I was like, wow. I'll the 20s s- are wild for people's bodies. Like We don't see him very much, but I say, I'll say that when I saw him, I was like, man, I wish there was more Freddie Prince Jr. and less of Ryan Felipe because I enjoy watching Freddie Prince Jr. as an actor. I think he is like he's the reason people there was a reason people loved him so much. Like yeah. he's, he's not just like hot stuff. Like he was fun to watch. He had everything he needed to be, to be in these like teen movies. He just didn't transition um, well though. Yeah. Like even how they, Julie like doesn't want to be the one to be like, I'm taking it to my grave. And so he, uh, Barry like attacks her and like grabs her by the throat and is like, swear. Oh yeah. And he doesn't do anything. And, Ray does nothing. Like if I was Julie, I would have been like, I'm going to kill you later because like, why did like, I am your girlfriend. Why didn't you pull this man off of me? He's just like, "Eh, well, he was going to hurt me. Two things. I think she like, I think she kind of breaks up with Ray the moment after where he like comes there and he's like, are you okay? And she's, she kind of like, she's like, don't ever touch me. She gives a look that it's just like, oh, this is done because he lacks that capability of like showing up. Yeah. Um, I also think like we have we forget like these characters are 17, you know. Yeah, like, that's true. So I don't Who know knows what you're doing. Yeah. When you're 17. So I'm, I kind of cut him some slack a little bit. But I think you're right. Like if my friend started going psycho on my girlfriend and like grabbed her throat and pushed her up against a car, I would at least be like, hey, how about we not do this right now? Like, yeah. I don't know if I would start I throwing fists, that- but I'd be like, yo, like. This isn't how you behave. I would hope that no matter my relationship with the people in this group, if a man stepped to me like that, that other men in the group would be like, what are you doing? Other men, other women, people in general should just be on. Well, I wouldn't expect uh, Helen to be, you know, I would be like, well, I get it. Maybe a different, maybe a modern Helen would. Maybe someone would. Yeah. Somebody. Yeah. It was just a weird moment for this group of friends to like, they turned on each other. Yeah. It was weird. All right, let's get to Missy Egan, played by Anne Heche. I don't know how what to say about Missy other than what the fuck is going on with this character. There was a moment where I was like, wait, where are they? And I realized I was like, oh, the movie is set in North Carolina. But there was a part of me that was like, who do they think this character is? Like, who is this? Like, why is she wearing like a sackcloth? Why is she? <laughs> She's wearing burlap. Why is she like, like when they first come up with, on the house like they're like looking around like is anybody home and she just like appears and it's like what do you want uh well my dad died a long time ago my mama she's in a home you know in aurora because she didn't take too too well to what happened with david things just haven't been the same since he died who is this woman who lives in this house by herself it seemed like she was really struggling for money but it's also like you live in a beautiful beautiful yeah, like, how are you paying charming taxes house. on just sell this house and get out of here? Like she Fun says a lot. The house that they used for the conjuring house. For yeah. She, like she says a line where it's like she's like, after my brother died, it was really hard on my family. And it's, it, it seems like her parents also died and she's now like alone. Yeah. And she had like, she herself, got the insurance right? money, but she also has this beautiful home. And it's like, just get out of there. What are you doing? It You're chopping make, fish heads and like it was purely atmospheric. Like the character makes mm-hmm. no sense. They were just like, "What's a spooky?" Um, I think Is you're up. Um, so honestly, I picked just like a type. Mm-hmm. I picked someone because I was like, they just like you put a little dirt on their face. Mm-hmm. They look thin and creepy, sc- creepy, but like a little bit aloof. But they also have to look alluring for you to be convinced that a teenage boy would have sex with them. Wow. you I mean, you were a teenage boy. Do you feel like she really needed to be that alluring? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe it was guilt sex, but it was just like, it really um, felt like they had like a relationship. You know what I mean? Like, and I still feel yeah. like there has to be some phys- physical attraction there for that level to kind of happen. I don't know. Like, she can't be like a swamp monster, you know? <laughs> Like she's supposed to be scary, she but you sort have to, of is. <laughs> but you have to believe that like this relationship. Ha- I don't know. Like it's it's a little bit shocking that like dueling banjos isn't playing in the background when they approach this house. Um, yeah. Okay, so I picked Natalia Dyer, who is on Stranger Things as Nancy. Okay. Uh, she is doing a bunch of stuff 
post Stranger Things, but before that, her like biggest credit was the Hannah Montana movie. Um, I I honestly picked her because I was like, I think she's a fine actor. I think this is just where she's at in her career. Like, bring her in, rub some dirt on her face. <laughs> she's just cute. Like full hand fists, <laughs> shove it in there. The makeup department is not even just being. Um, yeah, like she, she's a good actress. She's cute. I'm sure she could be a little spooky if she tried. What else do we say about this character? Well, the thing about this pick that maybe that's, that I'm not feeling, I feel like she's a little young because I think. How old is she supposed to be? Well, that's what I was trying to figure out. Like Missy is the sister of a guy who went to their high school. Like he was an older classman. At their high school, so Missy had to be somewhat older, right? Or maybe she didn't. I don't know. I don't know. She I guess she could have been of, a younger sister, but I, I just the way just Anne Hayes like played a it. Ghoul. Yeah, the way like, Anne Hayes played it, it was just like I don't know any like it was. Was she supposed to be a teen? Was she supposed to be one of the kids? Like, was she a local? I don't know. It was very confusing. That's one. The other thing is like Natalia. I bet she could be scary. But like on Stranger Things, which is the only thing I know her from, she sort of has like this deer in a headlight doe look like she's very fragile. Mm. So I would maybe maybe it would be interesting to see her play whatever uh, the burlap sack <laughs> in his. Like, I feel like we keep trying to be like. Like, you just can't describe what this character well, is. In the trivia, Anne Heche was like, it was two days of me trying to be the scariest thing ever. Yeah, she was like, it was two days of work, and I was just supposed to be scary. And it's just like, well, you're definitely something. Like, it, it's like, the scary stuff yeah. comes off because they're like, they drive up to the creepy house, and then she's like the creepy person. Is she the killer? Is she going to just murder them in this house? And then it just. It turns out that she's just like a weird lady who just yeah. doesn't know how to have a Julie like life. goes back to her and she's just like, yeah, it was a suicide. There was a note. He went up there to die that night. That's where Susie died. See, the whole town blamed him for her death. So he blamed himself. But how do you know it was a suicide? He left a note. And so you get this little thing where you're like, well, she's not like uneducated. But right. I don't know. Who did you pick? Oh, my God. Okay. So I don't know why I'm giving you shit for picking anybody. This was the hardest character to cast because I just was like, what is happening? So it's like, who is this, who person? Is this person? So I don't know why I picked her. I think she just popped in my head and it just got stuck there. She's the heir to the greatest actress on planet Earth. So I'm just assuming that she could just take her talent and her and all of her mother's knowledge and just be like, I'm going to build something I think I know who better. I picked Grace Gummer, yeah. who is fucking Marilyn, Mar- oh. Meryl Streep's daughter. <laughs> She's Meryl Streep's daughter and looks like her uh, in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. But she plays like an FBI agent on Mr. Robot. She plays these very like serious characters. But she seemed like she could have a look where if you if she's supposed to be this like backwater boonie kind of outcast, she could do it. She could do it and she could do it in a way that would scare you maybe a little more intellectually than physically, at least in what I've seen her of in Mr. Robot. Like when she shows up in a room, she's like really fucking intense Mm -hmm. and it kind of makes you like. It's kind of like, oh, all right, that that's, that's like this is someone that we have to pay attention to. Yeah. And I think that trait, just pivot it to a horror movie could be really well done. Yeah. No, I like that pick a lot. I think she's great. She was in a season of American Horror Story where she she was in, um, was it called Freak Show? I, I think it was. Was that her or her sister? Because there's three, there's three sisters. I think it was her. Oh, okay. No, I think that's a good choice. I think there's, yeah, I think that's great. It's hard to I just pick like, like a scary actress. Envision so young. her doing this, but um, at the same time, I'm like, yeah, for a very like non-specific reason. Because ultimately, what is who is this person? Yeah, I don't know. I tried to pick a scream queen, and I just was like, yeah, there's no one really in that pool that I felt comfortable picking. So I was just like, I'll just go to go with a mm. pretty good actress, a very good actress. Um, that's it for our cast. Let's get to where does Barry Pepper go? Do do we pick the same person? Oh, yeah. Why do you think I was like, let's talk about Missy instead of the fisherman? Because who do you think? Wait, did you not? No, I didn't cast him as the fisherman. Yes. No, 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 no. Who'd you put him as? I did not want to. I did not want to have to put Barry Pepper as the person who was who would say, easy child. (laughs) When he sees Julie. 
I just was like, I'm sorry. This is the reveal of this villain. And his like whole rain slicker attire is so dumb. Like, let's just put in an I actor, don't... put in a character actor, but be like, holy fuck, this motherfucking Barry Pepper, he's the fucking killer. That's fucking crazy. <laughs> Like if it was like who is like a really highbrow actor that if we saw in this yeah. movie we would be like oh my gosh like I kept being they got like this guy to be the killer yeah I kept expecting someone like Michael Keaton to show up and be like holy shit fucking Michael Keaton I picked I picked the cop that doesn't believe Helen if there's a cop I get it yeah. But yeah. he's only in it so brief. I just love the idea of like Barry Pepper having just well, elevating. The killer that is only there role. for like the last like ten minutes. Oh my god! And that whole fight scene at the end was so dumb. I was like, Yakety Sack should be playing in this <laughs> fucking moment. <laughs> when he's just like going, he's like, uh, he's His flying all over the place, chopped off, and no one knows what's going on. Here's what I'll say about this movie. So when it starts and they're telling this urban legend, the hook, yeah. the hook guy urban legend, I think that's a really interesting way to approach the movie because there is something there just from this thing of like them all being like, that's not how it goes. That's mm-hmm. not how it goes. I've heard it's like this. And I think it's really fun to create a movie that's like if there was a person who was going to kill you the way that, which I mean, there is a movie called Urban Legends, Urban Legends but yeah. um, more specifically, if the whole thing, if they leaned more into this idea of like, maybe you have expectations about how things are going to go, but the idea is like, well, that's not how the story goes. Yeah. I think there's something cool there. And they sort of do that just with the idea that like the fisherman's hook hand, like he becomes. Yeah. Uh, but they don't do that. I think that I think that would be a better a better way to create a solid story is just by the idea that there's like something that we've all heard. That's kind of interesting. Yeah, I think there's something there. I I was thinking the whole time I was watching this, like, how does how does this movie change with the presence of a cell phone or with like social, not necessarily social media, but the ability Mm -hmm. to contact people because characters just like disappear for long chunks of this movie. And are not kept abreast of like what's happening. I feel like this is definitely one of those movies. Well, it would be different because they would they would have seen on Facebook what everybody is up to. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, I can just imagine this being a modern version of this movie being one of those things where it's like a, a cell phone is like sitting on the side of a boat, and then all of a sudden it's like bloop. Yeah, it's like oh crap, we lost our we lost our own we lost our way of communication. Yeah. But I still think it would be like an interesting device to see how they would play it. And would you remake this movie in a modern age? I want to say yes, because I think that there's it's just like in one of those movies that for nostalgia's sake, I, I like. Yeah. But honestly, no. I think I would. I just think that I think it would have to be a little smarter for it to be good. Yeah. Like a big question I had at the end of the movie was where's everyone's parents? Yeah. That's why I love this. Scream so much. Not to yeah. compare this totally to Scream is just like the parents are not only involved, they're like part of the story. Like yeah. p- kids are like wild about what's going on. The whole house party thing where they're like, yeah, there's a serial killer on the loose. Fuck it. Let's just have a house party. What could go wrong? And like, well, because the serial killers are spoiler alert, throwing the party. Right. But, but, <laughs> but like, it, the community is all talking about it. Like the news like, is there. You see perspectives the of adults. You're right. It's not just this like wild adventure. Yeah. This one and, is very much like. And it's not like that thing of like, like that's one of the things that I, I did write. Two people deserve to die in this movie. The first was Elsa. The second was the cop that doesn't believe Helen. Right. Because it's the whole thing of like, she's like, somebody's in danger. Why won't anybody listen to me? And the only adult we bring into this situation is like, caught. Women are hysterical. Calm down. That's why I didn't put Barry there. I was like, Barry would never do this. Maybe he has, but I just, I I don't know. But yeah, you're right. Like this is fucking, people are idiots in this movie Mm -hmm. constantly. That's why I'm like, yeah, I would give it a second chance. I was just going to say, could you imagine thinking that you like murdered someone for a whole year and then you realize that it like wasn't that big of a deal? (laughs) Could I imagine? No. Like the guilt of being like, I you like wasted a year of murdered someone and then they'd uncover the whole plot and they're like, oh, well, now my friends are dead. Why didn't they admit (laughs) to it at the end? 
when the cop was like, is was, is there any reason that this guy would want you dead? And yeah. you'd be like, yes. Also, there's a really funny moment where like she sees the pictures that he like that he's been keeping track of them. And some of the pictures are from that day at the parade. Oh, absolutely. Where I was like, OK, it's like 1997. He did not go to a one hour photo <laughs> like you would have had to. He did not do that. He did no not way. Get he was busy done. slicing and dicing. Where did we, where did maybe, he get these pictures? Developed? Maybe he had a digital camera and a digital printer. On his boat. <laughs> that's the Maybe only... he's the only one up on the time. And that's a good quality printer for that time yeah. to get that quality picture. All right, guys. Thanks for joining us this episode of The Boot. If you like this episode, please check out our other episodes and please stick with us next week when we continue our Halloween fest throughout the month of October. Kenna, where can the people find us? You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can find us on social media at The Boot Podcast on Twitter and at Boot Podcast on Instagram. You can find us separately because we're pursuing different dreams after high school at <laughs> Ken and Trent and at Flimby. All right, guys. Thanks for joining us this week, and we'll see you next time. Well, I got a silly little girl, she's on my mind. Look out about, she looks so fine. She's the best.